Let's get into the word. I want you to think about your best friend. Think a minute. Think about your best friend. And think about what makes that person your best friend. What is it about that person that makes them your friend and maybe even your best friend? Now, if you know me, you know how much I love uh, J.R. Tolkien's stories from The Hobbit to Lord of the Rings. Uh, Amazon has had a new show called The Rings of Power that has really kind of reignited uh, my, my, my love for those series of stories. But one of the things that always stands out to me in the Lord of the Rings series, whether it's the movie or in the book, is, you know, Frodo... Frodo is one of the main heroes of the story. There, there are a couple of main heroes, Aragorn and different people, but Frodo is one of the main heroes of the story. But Frodo wouldn't have been able to complete his task that he had if it wasn't for someone else, if it wasn't for Sam. Sam was Frodo's friend. And there's this really powerful scene towards the end of the movie and towards the end of the book where Frodo is going up the mountain to destroy the one ring, right? But he sent his friend Sam away, and he falls down, and he can't make it. He can't finish the task that's ahead of him. And there's that powerful scene that, man, my, my eyeballs started sweating a little bit when Sam comes up the mountain, even though Frodo had already sent him away. And there's that line... Uh, we have a picture of it here. Um, there's a line there where, Fro where uh, Sam says this. He says, I can't carry it for you, talking about the ring, Mr. Frodo, but I can carry you. And, and Sam's friendship gave Frodo the courage that he needed to destroy the one ring that ruled them all. Last week, we started this new series looking at this complicated guy called David. We saw that he was a, a poet, he was a prophet, he was a murderer, he was a king, and he was a man after God's own heart. And we saw last week, as he fought and stood up against Goliath, he showed us that we can have courage to fight like David did, because we, like David, can trust in God and not trust in ourselves. But friends, let me tell you, it's a lot easier to have courage in the face of difficult things when you are standing side by side with other people. It's a lot easier for us to have the courage that David had when we are surrounded with friends, as we're going to learn today through the example of David's friend, Jonathan. Others can encourage you. Others can pray for you. Others can hold you accountable, and you can do the same for them. Jonathan is going to show us today that there is a better way to build strong, authentic relationships like Jonathan did with David. Now, Jonathan was Saul's son, and Saul was the king of Israel. So Jonathan was in line to become the next king. The throne of Israel was his. But as we'll see today, Jonathan is going to surrender all of his power, all of his glory to this young shepherd boy named David, who was probably half his age. And what's more, Jonathan didn't try uh, to compete, but he just conceded 
the competition. And then he actively worked to make David the winner. He was a man after David's own heart. So Jonathan was really a man after God's own heart. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with us over to 1 Samuel chapter 18. Man, if you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table. We would love to give you one as a gift from us. But 1 Samuel is uh, on the right, of the, excuse me, the left side of your Bible uh, in the Old Testament, if you're looking for it. It uh, comes uh, right after uh, Ruth and Judges, uh, comes right before 2 Samuel. Um, makes sense, right? 1 Samuel, then 2 Samuel. Um, right before First uh, and Second Kings. Uh, if you're kind of in the middle of your Bible, you're probably laying in Psalms somewhere or in the book of Job or Proverbs. It's back towards the front if you're looking for it. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Now, the, Old Te- the, the Bible is, is broken up into two different parts. And the Old Testament really tells us how God was preparing to send his son Jesus, the Messiah. And then we have the New Testament that tells us how Jesus came, right? And, and then the mission that he left us as the church to carry out. But we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 18, and we're going to start there in verse 1. So if you have your Bibles, read along with me. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. It says, After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. Let's pause here for just a moment. So, as we saw last week, David had slain Goliath. The shepherd boy David uh, became an instant national hero. Saul and all of his men, including Jonathan, didn't have the courage to do what David did, as we saw last week. And no doubt, because this young boy stood up to the giant when nobody else would, no doubt there was some jealousy among the fighting men of Israel. We know that there will be with Saul, as we're going to see. And yet, In the immediate aftermath of this tremendous feat, Jonathan, he recognizes David's kindred spirit. And the Bible tells us that he loved David as he loved himself. He was bound to David. David's rise to popularity and rise to the throne would actually mean Jonathan's demise. And yet Jonathan didn't care. Even though Saul would remind Jonathan over and over and time and time again that if David comes up and becomes king, that means that you won't, right? Jonathan didn't care. In fact, time and time again, Jonathan will go out of his way to protect David from his father's anger. David was the new all Israel boy, and Jonathan was the has-been. And yet Jonathan loved this kid. Jonathan expressed his love by making a covenant with David. Not, uh, if you scratch my back, then I'll scratch your back covenant uh, or contract, but a covenant, a very one way, I'll scratch your back whenever it needs it. Agreement based on what Jonathan could, could give David and not based on what Jonathan could gain from David. 
Jonathan took the initiative to, uh, to, to ba- and basically said, I can see that God's heart is in you and his hand is on you, and I love you for that. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm the former prince, and you are the man. And to seal this pact, this contract, Jonathan is going to give David his robe and his tunic and his sword and his bow. Now, that may not mean very much to us because when we think of robes, we're probably thinking of our bathrobe and, you know, who cares that we give that to, right? You know, but, but for, for Jonathan, his robe and his tunic and his armor and his sword were everything. They showed his royalty. It, this would be like Michael Jordan giving you his lucky pair of UNC shorts that he wore under his Bulls uniform every single game that he played in. That'd be like him giving you those. Or it'd be like Elvis giving you his favorite jumpsuit, right? It would be on that type of level. But Jonathan gave his best gear to David, and he proves his commitment to David, as we're going to see. And it shows that he recognized that David was the new heir to the throne, even though, even though that meant that he would have to step aside. It's clear that Jonathan's mind, uh, uh, in Jonathan's mind, David's success meant more than his own. Jonathan's heart and love for David is something that we as followers of Jesus should have as well. Because the type of love and commitment that Jonathan had for David is the same type of love and commitment that God has had for us. You see, even though God didn't gain anything from us, even though we can't give anything to him, he has given everything to us by giving his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. Just like Jonathan didn't have anything to gain from David, but he loved him simply because of what he could give to him. Let's look at how that looked in verse 2 of 1 Samuel 18. It says, From that day Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. We're going to see this contrast here between the way Saul acted with David and the way Jonathan acted with David. Okay, So Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him go back home. But on the other side, verse 3, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off his robe that he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Whatever mission, we see the opposite side, Saul sent him on, David was successful, right? And, and that Saul gave him a high ranking rank in his army. And this pleased all the troops and Saul's officials as well. Now, some other translations help us to see this a little clearer in verse 5. But David's high rank was directly connected with what he was doing, right? The, the only reason he got a high rank was because Saul sent him out on a mission. It wasn't just simply because of who he was, right? It was a contract that Saul had with David. Look at verse 6. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing and joyful songs with the timbrels and the lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. 
look at how Saul responds in verse 8. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands? What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a very close eye on David. Saul kept a very close eye on David. Jonathan responds to David's victory over Goliath much differently than Saul responded. Saul responded probably like many of the fighting men in Israel would have, not with joy, not with celebration over David's victory, but with jealousy. David stood face to face with the giant and defeated him. And I'm sure Saul wasn't the only one that was, de- uh, was jealous of David. But Jonathan, Jonathan was different, wasn't he? Jonathan wasn't jealous of David, but he was proud of David. In fact, Jonathan gave David all of the things that were important to him. His royal robes, as we've already talked about, his armor, his sword. Now, this would have been a big deal because if we go back to chapter 14 of 1 Samuel, I'd encourage you to do that sometime this week. There, there was a time that there were only two swords in all of Israel, and Jonathan had one of them. This would have been the sword that Jonathan would have taken up when him and his armor bearer, the two of them went up and defeated 600 Philistines by themselves. So this would have been a great honor for Jonathan to hand over his sword to David. Jonathan gives it all to David, not wanting or expecting anything in return. This is how much Jonathan loved and cared for David. Jonathan's reaction was not what we would expect. Jonathan gave David his royal robes, his battle gear, because he knew that David was the next king of Israel. God had already appointed him. Samuel had already anointed him. And instead of killing David, or instead of being jealous of David, instead of being jealous of David trying to take his place, Jonathan just hands over his robes, and his gear, and humbles himself to David. Jonathan's heart for David stands in direct contrast to Saul's heart for David. Saul felt jealousy toward David because David stood up and did what Saul should have done. Saul should have been the one that had gone out to fight against Goliath, and yet here was this young boy, who did what he should have done. Saul reflected his lack of faith in God and his cowardice as hatred and jealousy towards David. But Jonathan, on the other hand, didn't. Jonathan opens up his heart and he loves David and rejoices with his victory. And I think there are a number of things that we can learn about our relationships with other people and how to build relationships with other people and how to build authentic relationships with other people through the example of Jonathan. First, if we want to love like Jonathan loved David, then we first must unchain our hearts and not chain our friends. 
right? At, at a time uh, when Jonathan might have been most jealous and competitive of David, Jonathan opens up his heart to David and chose to love him, where on the other hand, Saul chose to chain him up. He didn't want to let him out of his sights. He wouldn't even let him go back to his family. He said, I've got to keep him here. I've got to keep my eye on him. I've got to watch this guy because of his jealousy. He was possessive, and it spoke volumes over Saul's heart. Where Jonathan, on the other, on the other side, the other hand, man, he just gave everything up to David freely. Friends, if we want to learn to love like Jonathan loved, then we must not chain our friends. Secondly, if we want to love like Jonathan loved, we need to make a one-way commitment and not a two-way contract. You know, I asked you at the very beginning to think about your friends, right? Think about your best friend. What makes that person your friend? Are they your friend because of what they can do for you? Or are they friends because of what you can do for them? what you can give them. Jonathan made a one-way commitment to David. He didn't expect anything in return. Now, later on, uh, as things progress, he will ask David to, to make an oath with him to protect his family, not to kill off his family, because that would have been the, the normal thing to do if somebody from a different family became king. They would try to take out all of the heirs. And, you know, Jonathan said, hey, don't, don't kill my, my family. And we'll see David that will uh, honor that commitment. And uh, uh, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, um, will be found and brought in and treated just like a, a son of David later on. But Jonathan didn't want anything from David. He just freely gave him everything. He, he made a one-way commitment to David. He didn't wait for David to act, but Saul, on the other hand, he made a contract with David, right? He said, if you do this, then I'll give you a high rank in my guard. If you do this, and in fact, even after uh, Saul said, hey, look, uh, whoever kills this Philistine is going to get you know, tax exemption, going to get my daughter's hand in marriage, is, is going to be well taken care of, uh, uh, Saul starts to add to that, that contract even more later on before he wanted to give uh, David his daughter. He made a contract with David instead of just a commitment to David. Friends, if we want to learn to love like Jonathan, we need to unchain our hearts. We need to make a one-way commitment to other people, and we need to give gifts without expecting anything in return. Jonathan's gifts were very symbolic of him giving himself Nothing was more personable, personal for a prince to give his robes and his battle gear. But Jonathan gave them all freely to David and didn't ask for anything in return and didn't expect anything in return from David. While Saul, on the other hand, tried to use David to make himself look good. Jonathan just wanted David to succeed. Friends, if we want to learn to love like Jonathan, we must not chain our friends. We must make one-way commitments. We must give gifts without expecting them. And we must enjoy our friends' success. 
if you want to gauge your heart in your relationships with other people, how do you respond when your friend succeeds? How do you respond when something goes well with your friend? Do you find yourselves getting upset with them? Do you find yourself trying to point out, oh man, well, you should have done it like this, right? Well, man, that's good for you. I wish I had it that good, right? Or do you celebrate with them? Saul was jealous of David's success. Jonathan celebrated David's success. And he was honored to be able to play any part in it at all. And when the women came to sing praises of David, Saul becomes outraged and envious. It says there in verse 9 that he kept a close eye on David. Some other translations say that he kept a jealous eye on David. He didn't want to send him back home because he wanted to see what David was going to do because he was jealous, he was envious. Here was this young boy getting all the praise. He had been the king for so many different years. He had won all kinds of battles. And yet here was the shepherd boy who defeated one giant. (laughs) And now everybody was singing his praises. Saul was envious. But Jonathan, Jonathan celebrated David. We can learn so much from the example of Jonathan and how we are to be friends with other people and how we are to love and care for other people and how we are to take care of other people and build authentic relationships. We can learn to love other people like Jonathan loved David. And when we do, we'll also be learning to love other people as God has loved us. I want you to listen to Paul's words in Philippians chapter 2 as we think about Jonathan and the way that he loved and cared for David. I want you to think about that as we read what Paul tells us to do here in Philippians chapter 2 in verse 1. He says, if there's any encouragement from being united in Christ, if there's any comfort from his love, if there's any common sharing in the spirit, if there's any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Does that describe how Jonathan was with David? It does, doesn't it? And then listen to the rest of this. This is what Jonathan did for David. Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Man, Jonathan had all the reason to be jealous of David. I mean, he was supposed to be the one next in line to be king of Israel. But Jonathan did nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, he valued others above himself. He valued David above himself, not looking to his own interest but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Friends, Jonathan loved and cared for David just like Jesus loves and cares for us. And just like we are called to love and care for other people. These are our examples of how we are to 
love and how we are to care for other people. We are to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. We are to do everything with humility, valuing other people as more important than ourselves. And, and guys, I know that this is countercultural to what we have been taught our entire lives. We are supposed to look out for number one. That's what we've been taught. We, we're supposed to look out for number one. But what Jesus teaches us is that we should put number one last and put everyone else first. Humble yourselves. Consider others as more valuable. This is what Jonathan did. This is what Jesus has done. And this is what you and I are called to do as well. Here at Journey Church, we say that we want to love like Jonathan by building strong relationships with each other. And we do that by walking side by side through the messiness of life together. We want to live out our walks together. This is the language that we use here at Journey Church. Because we need each other, because we are better together. And for us to build strong relationships with each other, guess what? We have to have the same mindset that Jesus has. In order for us to build authentic relationships with each other, we have to have the same mindset that Jonathan had. We must value other people as more important than ourselves. I ask you to think about your best friend, and I'll ask you this again. What makes them your best friend? Is it because of what you can get from them, or is it because of what you can give them? People need us. Your coworkers need you. Your family needs you. Your neighbors need you. The people, uh, uh, the, the parents of, of your kids' ball team, they need you. They need you to care for them. They need you to love them. They need you to care and love for them. Over the past few years, we have seen how much we need each other, how much we need authentic, strong relationships with each other. We need people to pray for us and to encourage us and to hold us accountable. And others need you to pray for them and encourage them, and hold them accountable. People all around you need you to step up, and they need me to step up and to walk through their messiness of their life with them. We need each other because we are better together. I want you to listen to these next couple of verses as we think about our relationships with other people and we think about how we are to love others as Jonathan loved David, as we think about how we are to care for other people, listen to the instructions that these verses give us. Paul tells us in Colossians 3 verse 12. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and patience. What do all five of those things have to deal with? our relationships with other people, right? 
because of what God has done for us, because we are chosen, because we are holy, because we are dearly loved, we are to clothe ourselves then in these things. And this is how we relate to other people because of how God has related to us. Because we are his chosen people, holy and dearly loved, we are to have compassion and kindness, humility and gentleness and patience with other people. And Paul continues in verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Because of who we are as God's people, because we are followers of Jesus, because we are God's chosen and holy people and dearly loved, when we relate to other people, we are to put on, we are to live out with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, with patience. Again, all these things are how we deal and relate with other people. And then so are the rest. He says, bear with each other. Now, he's not saying, like, act like a bear around others. I think sometimes that's how we take this verse. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what we want to do. No, bear with, carry one another, forgive one another. Not because the other person deserves it. Because guess what? If you wait to forgive someone when they deserve it, you ain't never going to forgive them. Because you don't deserve forgiveness. And while you were still enemies and sinners, guess what God did for you? He sent his son Jesus when you didn't deserve it, when I didn't deserve it. He demonstrated God's love by giving his own life for you. This is how we are to forgive other people. Just as God has forgiven us. Forgive as God has forgiven. Look at this next verse and see how it relates to how we are to love and care for other people. Solomon, David's son, writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Friends, this is how Jonathan loved and cared for David. And this is how we are to love and care for other people. This is how we build strong relationships with others because we need each other because we are better together. Man, I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what struggles, anxieties, uh, I, I don't know what situations, circumstances that you may be going through. And, and maybe you think that you are alone. I want you to know that here at Journey Church, man, we want to walk side by side through whatever messiness of your life you're going through. 
We want to love and care for you like Jonathan loved and cared for David. We want to love and care for you like Jesus loves and cares for all of us. Man, and one of the ways that we start and build these strong relationships, one of the ways that we are able to walk through the messiness of life with you is outside of what we're doing right now. It's the other six days of the week. It's been one of our goals for this year, to connect with other followers of Jesus the other six days. Here at Journey Church, we do that in life groups. Life groups are where we connect with each other, where we walk through the messiness of life together. Man, my life group hasn't met for the last four weeks, and I can tell you how much I miss it, how much I miss my life group, my people, how much I need them. Because despite what you may think, despite what you may be told, you cannot do this life alone. You weren't made to, you weren't meant to. We need each other because we are better together. Because church isn't just something that we go to. It's a community that we are involved in. Jim Putman in his book, Real Life Discipleship, says this. He says, discipleship happens when we are in relationship with other believers where real teaching, authenticity, accountability, shepherding, and training are a part of our lifestyle. It's the responsibility of all mature believers to learn to feed themselves and then to feed others and then to teach them to feed themselves and then to teach them to feed others. Spiritual parents will find someone to disciple. That's what Jim Putman said. Friends, two are better than one. We need each other because we are better together. We need to come alongside of other people so that they can encourage us, so that they can pray for us, so that they can hold us accountable, and so that we can pray for them and encourage them and hold them accountable. But you have to open up. You have to be trustworthy. You have to build trust so that others will share their struggles so that they can be encouraged and prayed for and held accountable. Connect with the life group this week if you're not part of one already. We have five life groups that are a part of Journey Church. We would love to get you plugged into one of them. We have a women's group and a men's group and three other groups that meet on Sunday. We'd love to get you plugged into one of those. But man, maybe, maybe you need to start a life group. Maybe you need to start a life group at your work, at lunch, or before work. Maybe you need to start a life group in your home and invite your neighbors to come and join you. And, and man, you don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to know all the answers in order to lead a life group. And man, I would love to help you get started and to show you how that you can start a life group. And if you'd like to do that, I'd love to talk with you. Come and talk with me today or anytime. I'd love to talk with you about how to get one started. Journey Church, let's learn to love like Jonathan. Let's unchain our hearts. Let's make one-way commitments to other people. Let's give gifts without expecting anything in return. Let's celebrate Others' success. 
Man, I want to challenge all of us this week to move to love like Jonathan loved. To move to love like God loves us. This week, find some tangible ways that you can love and care for other people. Not so that they can give you something, but simply because you can give something to them. Let's put others first. Let's put ourselves last. Because this is what Jesus has done for us. Listen to how, uh, to how Paul describes what Jesus has done for us, how he's put us first there in the next verses of Philippians 2. In verse 6, he says, Rather he, talking about Jesus, remember he said, have the mindset of Jesus in our relationship with others, the verse before this. He said, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, by being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Friends, Jesus did this not because he deserved it. He did this because you and I deserve it. He humbled himself even to the point of death, death on a cross for you. This is how he has served you. And this is how we are called to serve other people. Verse 9 tells us, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Friends, this is what Jesus has done for you. He died to bring you back to God. He died to forgive your sins. And then God raised him to life and raised him to the highest place. But the question that you and I must answer, the question that you must answer today is, have you bowed your knee to him? Have you acknowledged or confessed that he is not just the Lord, but that he is your Lord? Friends, if you haven't, won't you come today? Won't you come and humble yourself today? Repent of your sins and bow your knee to Jesus. Will you come and confess Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? And will you meet him in baptism today? Man, if you're ready to do that, or if you want to talk about what that means, I'm going to be out in the lobby today. Come and let's talk. Because Jesus has valued you above himself, and he has died to take your place, and he's called us to do the same. We pray with me. Father, we thank you for the love that you have shown us through your son Jesus, that he has demonstrated your love for us by giving us his life. Even though we were your enemies and even though we were sinners, Father, your son died taking our place. He loved us so much that he gave his life for us. Father, we thank you for that love because it restores us to you, even though we don't deserve it. It brings us back to you. But Father, it also gives us an example in how we are to 
love and care for and serve and value other people above ourselves. But Father, we thank you that your son wasn't the only example of this. There are countless other examples of people throughout Scripture, like Barnabas, like Jonathan, who loved other people, who considered and valued other people as more important than themselves. Father, in our culture, we are taught to look out for us. It's all about me. But Father, you have shown us and taught us and led us and called us to live opposite of that. You have told us that the greatest will be the least, that the leader will be the servants of all. So Father, help us to love like Jonathan. Help us to love like your son Jesus. Help us to give without expecting anything in return. Help us to celebrate with others and not be jealous. Help us to unchain our hearts. Father, help us to connect with other people. It's so easy for us to isolate, to be alone, to try to do it all ourselves. But Father, you haven't made us to be alone. Remind us that healing only happens in the context of relationship with other people. That we need each other because we are better together. Father, there are those that are here who are far from you listening today. Would you call them to yourself today? Would you call them to repentance and lead them to you? We thank you for your son, Jesus. We ask all of this in his precious name. Amen.